Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Pucks and Bolts with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to... Pucks and Bolts, an Odyssey original podcast, analyzing the Tampa Bay Lightning in their quest to further cement this team as a dynasty and Tampa Bay as a hockey town. Pucks and Bolts will bring you in-depth insight of games, practices, storylines of your favorite players and coaches multiple times a week. So to stay up to date on all the excitement of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're going to want to download that Odyssey app. Search Pucks and Bolts, hit that auto-download button, and keep up to date on all brand new episodes. They'll be sitting there waiting for you. You also want to share them with friends, family, other hockey fans, and duh, anyone who loves the Tampa Bay Lightning, because who doesn't? I'm your host, Casey Hudson, joined by Adam Denker, host of Locked on Lightning, and it's time for us to get into a brand new episode of Pucks and Bolts. Adam, what's up? Thank you for bearing with me and my tech issues this morning. (laughs) How's your Friday going? Better than mine so far? My Friday's going very well, Casey. I, I was saying before you hopped on, I, I'm the king of technical difficulties. So I, <laughs> I've definitely been there once or twice. All right. Well, I at least appreciate the patience and stuff. I never want to be that person that's like never got technology under control. You know, parents, family members, they always come to me asking questions and little do they know I'm figuring it out too. Um, But so much excitement to get into when it comes to the lightning. One of my favorite times of the year is that midway point. But of course, there's been milestone on milestone. And one of the guys hedging every milestone on this team is Steven Stamkos. He collects 500 and then some versus the Canucks on Wednesday night. Uh, what was your thought? Did you stay up for that game, first of all? I did no not. <laughs> I did not. And I was I was saying to myself and a couple of other people uh, through the Lockdown Podcast Network that let let I hope he just gets it done in St. Louis because we got a couple of late ones coming up. And, and of course, he couldn't get the job done on Monday against Seattle, which was fine. And, and then I said to myself, he's going to do it either in Edmonton or Vancouver. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he did it oh. <laughs> with, during one of the latest games that we had on this on the road trip. And uh, listen, he has a flair for the dramatic. He always has uh, becoming mm-hmm. not only the 47th player in NHL history to have the 500 goal mark, but also the seventh player since 1986 uh, to score his 500th career goal while also collecting a hat trick uh, in the process. So. Listen, it, it was what a way to do it. What a way to do it on the opposite end of the the, the continent. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I said on my show the other day, I, he's far from done from breaking uh, records. Right. And I'm actually so glad that you said that because the biggest note that I've had surrounding Stammer collecting 500, doing it with a Hattie, is the fact that do we not talk about Steven Stamkos enough in the NHL? There's so many players' names, and like, you know, I see that Tate Thompson's tearing it up, but I almost feel like his doing is overshadowing, you know, what a guy like Steven Samkos brings to the ice, brings to the NHL. Do you feel like he's such an underrated player in, in many ways? 
Oh, a hundred percent. And I think a lot of that has to do with people just the hockey world taking for granted what Steven Stamkos could do on a nightly basis. And then you pair that up with the fact that he's playing with two other superstars and then another one in goaltend in the goaltending situation. I mean, a lot of people look at him as having an easier situation than maybe you would have for maybe Connor McDavid, which why a lot of people, you know, rightfully so Connor McDavid's the best player in the world, but at the same time, it's Leon Dreisaitl and then it drops off the table a little bit. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos, I still think is one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, it was funny. Actually, I saw on Twitter once he got 500, people were actually having the discussion. This definitely puts him in the Hall of Fame now. So you mean to tell me that Steven Stamkos wasn't in the Hall of Fame before he got his 500th career goal? Right. I think that, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very silly conversation that a lot of people have been having. And, and I think, you know, after the, the two back-to-back uh, Stanley Cup championships and then going to a third straight final, I, I think the, the conversation should have ended there. But here we are still having that conversation, Casey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I know. And it's such a great point to mention how everyone sort of rallied the Hall of Fame conversation around 500. The, the t- Twitter's a funny beast for sure, because between NHL and ESPN, it's like, you know, they weren't even on Stammer Watch to the length that they were for Ovechkin or when Crosby hit 500 a while ago. It's so that's why I was thinking, I'm like, they're not talking about Steven Stamkos enough. They're not talking about the injuries that he went through and where his milestones would have landed if it wasn't for him being able to only play and participate in 60% of a season or 20% of a season. Yeah. And for them to win the Stanley Cup when they did and how they did it in that short turnaround time with all the restrictions, you're talking about a guy that was still able to lead his team and be such a representation on that bench in so many ways. So one of the most underrated players in my, in, in my mindset, I'm so glad that you agree with that, which kind of brings us to this road trip. You wanted him to hit 500 versus the blues. I wanted him to hit it versus the blues. I'm sure the pressure was on, but they had a good performance versus the blues. They had a sound game, in my opinion, versus the Seattle Kraken. What's kind of been your overall assessment of this road trip? Coach Cooper mentioned before the guys hit the road, how crucial it would be for them to walk away with as many points as possible especially with them being on the tail end of Toronto, they were kind of lighting a fire in the Atlantic division. Well, I, I think so far the road trip has been a success. You know, obviously you want to get that win last night against the Edmonton Oilers, but you know, I always look at these West coast trips as kind of a measuring stick at no matter what point you are at the season, because that's really where you kind of see what kind of team you are mentally. Uh, you know, we, we are all aware it's a, the, the time zone is wonky out there compared to playing on the East Coast. So, you know, some guys might be going to these games a little extra tired than they would if they were playing at home or on the East Coast. But you know what? I, I thought they were, they've played very well. I thought they've played without, well within their game. Sometimes we see Tampa kind of get away from what works. But for the most part, I, I think that, so far, it's a, it's a, it's a success. I, I think if I had to put a grade on it, I would probably say maybe a B. Um, you know, hopefully they could, you know, end the road trip on a high note. Um, but, you know, thus far, I, I, I think that everything has been a success. And, and especially the, 
like I said, I think I think the win against Seattle, I, I think that was a big win for us. You know, a lot, a lot has been made of what Seattle has been doing this year. Uh, thankfully, that game was at four o'clock on Monday instead of ten o'clock. <laughs> uh, but I, I think thus far it's been a success, and I, and then you're seeing a lot of good play from everybody on this team. Yeah, I I really feel like they're kind of getting on the right trajectory at the right time, starting to piece together their game a bit more. That is what I liked about the Seattle game. It was one of their more complete 60-minute of hockey games. Um, Not a bunch of giveaways yet, not a bunch of takeaways, which kind of leads me into last night's performance. The five-game win streak was snapped. Uh, I know some people are probably like, oh, well, it's the Oilers. It's Mick David, the god of whatever, and Dreisaitl and all these things. But I feel like when they play against teams like this, you see how well they can actually contend with the top teams in the league, yet, you know, they fall short by by this much. Um, my biggest takeaways from last night's game, obviously, sometimes the penalties keep them from getting within their structure. If they cannot get in their structure versus a fast-paced team or like a strong, formidable offensive team, they kind of end up chasing the game the entire time and losing out unless they rally big in the third period. Uh, Oilers owned that first period. What were your biggest takeaways from yesterday's game or last night's midnight showdown? (laughs) (laughs) I was a little concerned to start off, honestly. Once the Oilers went up 2-0, I the team kind of looked a little bit flat. Um, to start off, you know, but nothing that we haven't seen before. The Lightning are notorious for being slow starters. So, you know, the the you were looking towards that second period as sort of them getting it together, which they did. They scored three goals in the second period. But you hit the nail right on the head there, Casey, by saying, you know, the, the try to stay away from allowing the, the Oilers to get on the power play. And unfortunately, they couldn't do that. The Oilers did have four chances last night, only capitalized once on them. But Still, I you got you can't allow Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and you know that cast of guys that the Oilers have. That weirdly enough, that the team is a lot better on the power play when those guys are able to play with each other than rather on even strength. But um, I thought the Lightning, though, all things considered, other than the fact that you know they gave up the one power play goal, I thought they played well. You know, they controlled the puck for the most part. Uh, they did a good job in the faceoff circle, fifty-five percent on the night. Anytime that you could get into the mid fifties, you know, you're giving yourself a very good chance of winning. Um, but you know what? Sometimes the puck doesn't just drop in, in favor of you. And and that's what we saw last night. Vasilevsky was a little shaky here and there in some spots uh, after a, a solid performance for Brian Elliott the night before. But it, it's one of those games where you kind of just take, got to take it for what it is and, and just hope that the team and, and, you know, you might say this for any other team, but you know, with the lightning, all that veteran leadership that they have, you know, that they've already dissected and calculated what they have to do in the next game. And, you know, they, they, they take that very seriously. So you, you're, you're going to expect some changes in the next matchup uh, from this veteran yeah. leadership. Yeah. Their ability to assess and adjust, I would say is quite top notch. Um, that's typically why you don't see them going on many losing streaks uh, and anything turning into a snowball effect there. Something that I love pointing out when it comes to these matchups and these games is when Cooper throws the lines in the blender and shuffles things up. Has there been a line besides that top line? Cause it's been the most consistent and obviously very exciting. I think one of the most exciting top lines in the league, but is there another line that you feel like should stick or that they should readjust back to, you know, uh, you've got Nick Paul that bumps down to that third line. He's been hanging out on the third line the past couple of games. I loved him on the second line with Sam Coast, but then Stammer and Killer have this chemistry. And 
Alex Kalorn is finally starting to come to life this season. Yeah. I mean, he had two assists on Stammer's Hattie the other night. He had an assist last night. Um, he's starting to get that that confidence or, I guess, get that influencer chip back on his shoulder. I know it takes him a minute to get there, but we're seeing it, and I think a lot of it obviously has to do with line mate Steven Stamkos. I don't really have a line that, that I like more than the other. And I think a lot of that has to go back to what you said. Cooper loves adjusting the lines and, and, and just changing things up at the drop of a hat. I, I like the, the changeups all, all around. I think it keeps everybody loose. I keep, I think it keeps everybody comfortable and, and just everybody fresh. You know, I say on my show, I think that's one of the best things that Cooper does that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for is that, uh, not only does it it gives the opposing teams a different look on the ice, but it allows the guys to not get too stale with their line mates. And believe it or not, as close as all these guys are, they do get stale playing with the same guy over and over and over again. So it it, it allows different looks. It allows different combinations. And and yeah, I Alex Kalorn, I mean, he has really turned it around. I was killing him the first couple of months of the year, and he <laughs> he must have listened to my show because he he complete he completely turned it around in the month of December. And and now I was we we go from is he going to get traded possibly at the deadline to yep. we can't trade this guy, we can't trade him at all. And and you know what I, I I think he's he's really done a very good job as like I said, goes back to that leadership mentality. And he's definitely done a good job on the ice of, of leading this team to some, some big wins. 